Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Brendan Iambadejo, and this is the NFL Players Second Acts Podcast. tuning in i'm peanut tillman and this is the nfl players second acts podcast my guy roman he got the black and white up top he got the black and white shirt he got the concord jays on what's up dog showing don't hurt nothing now feeling good dog <laughs> good morning coming How to we you doing from the la here? studios we feeling live and we lit right now what's up well when you call me out i gotta do it so uh thank you for first and foremost thank you peanut yes, for sir. always yes, uh, sir. being yourself and the introduction only gets weirder every time we do this <laughs> and uh, we're going to introduce our guest in just a second but first and foremost thank all of our listeners our viewers out there anywhere you pick up podcasts whether it's apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio podcasts Thank you so much for always tuning in. Shout out to iHeartRadio taking care of us last time we were in New York. Now we're in L.A. We continue to travel. This thing continues to move. We continue to grow. And we'll have more and more listeners. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Continue to hit us. Give us five-star rating. Give us a rating, a review. Click that follow button. Thomas, you like that one. Peanut, who we got today? He back there smiling. I'm Peanut Tillman. We got a great show for you today. One of my old teammates is going down 10-year vet, three-time Pro Bowler, one mm-hmm. Super Bowl 47. I yeah. wish it would have been with the Bears, but it was with that other team. Yeah, but, but you, were on, the, you were on the team, Peanut. I, clearly, if you're on the team, you don't win Super Bowls. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But he, he won Super Bowl 47. <laughs> he is a business icon. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brendan Imadejo. Woo, woo, woo! All well, right, it, no, I'm going to start this one off. So, uh, Brendan, could you please share with the people... When you first saw Peanut, what you said? Cacahuate. Cacahuate. And what does that mean? It's not what it sounds like. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just Peanut in Spanish. It's just That's Peanut it. in Spanish, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and so... We go way back. You so guys I was, clearly yeah. go way back. Yeah. And when you guys greet, the, greet each other the way you do, and all of a sudden everybody else in the room feels a little bit like, what? Yeah. What is that? You, and you guys just break that out. I thought that was... A very um, just like old times. Yeah, you know we go chest to chest. Yes, sir. Get on yeah. the left side so you can feel my heartbeat. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Well, one thousand. Bring in that one hundred. One hundred. I like that. <laughs> when, when you go through a tragedy like losing a Super Bowl together, <laughs> that makes you real mm. tight. Yes, sir. This yes, is sir. why we're together right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is like actually yes, you're correct. Hey, I still get cars. <laughs> we're right here. I still have. But you, the bad part. It well, I shouldn't say bad part. Bad. 
good part for you is you actually won Super Bowl 47. Like, I'm over two. You're one and one. You're one and one. Yeah, over two, one and one, one and one. Yeah, like that. That stuff hurt. Um, I, haven't fully, I haven't fully recovered. It, you guys is a little bit different situation, though, because you lost yours first. Then yeah. you won it the second time. I won it first. Then I lost it the second time. So it's still different emotions. I'm not trying to get in this whole Super Bowl, you know, mine's better than yours or you don't I, have I this. You. And so, I feel you, yeah. Um, but it is a different emotion because once you win it once, you understand you want it for all your next next up teammates. Mm-hmm. You want them to be able to share that infra, that that feeling, that emotion. And But when you actually lose it first and then win it, um, I, I guess it is like this one thing is like, oh, oh my gosh, I, yeah, you never know if you're going to get back. Right. You never know how you're going to get there. And all of a sudden you win it again. I'm sure it's very special. Yeah, I think um, winning it, it was the last game I ever played in. And I kind of had an inkling that it was going to be the last game I ever played in. And so just that whole season, just hearing the national anthem and and just playing and lacing them up, I kind of, you know, had a feeling it was going to be my last season. It was Ray Lewis's last season and a lot of other guys as well. We had a lot of vets on that team. Yeah. Man, I would cry like a baby every yeah. time I would hear the anthem. And then, of course, for the Super Bowl, cried like a baby. Yeah. And um, But luckily, got that that monkey off my back and got mm-hmm. the win. But I do have one regret from the, the Super Bowl that I played with uh, Pina and we lost is that I didn't go to the postgame celebration. And if I could do all that stuff over really? again, I would do all the post game. I would just do everything because it is special to get there. Yes. It's really rare and special to win, but it's still very special to get there. And I just didn't, I didn't appreciate it like I I remember have. the night because Common performed. Common was there. He performed, but it was still just kind of bittersweet though. It was just like. Yeah, because you didn't win. Because you didn't win. Like, don't get me wrong. Common from Chicago. He right, right. there freestyling, doing his thing. It was just like, it just was a, a, a it put a damper. It, put it was a, a dud. Yeah, it was just like, it was a duck. Mm, I mean, now, I, yeah. Brendan, all right. So first question, could you please um, tell us how to say your real name? I know how to say it. I've done some research. So could you please share with the people what your real name is and what it also means? Right. So I'll take you back to the motherland. And uh, a lot of people that know me, they know I'm half Nigerian and half Irish, but I always say I'm 100% black. That doesn't matter. Right. But uh, it does matter. Name. No, I mean, it matters, but I'm just, you know, I'm just giving you some extra, okay, yeah, extra yeah. color on the situation. I appreciate it. <laughs> but um, so my real name is Oladele. And I'm so the Nigerian side, traditionally, your grandparents will name you. And I was born in the States, but my grandma knew that I was going to be coming home to Nigeria very soon. And so she named me Wealth Follows Me Home, which is yep. Oladele. And we played with a lot of Nigerian teammates yeah. at Wale Ogunle, Israeli Donage, Baba mm-hmm. Tunde, like so many. Even my brother had a stint. Obafemi had a stint with us. But um, yeah, so just tra- traditionally, your, your grandparents will name you. And it's basically like 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 Michael, you know, it's a very <laughs> common name. Well, well, I didn't know that until all of a sudden I read about yours. And then I actually learned what this uh, my, my son's friend's name was and also yours as well. But, Dele. but you, how, so how did how did you that's your name is Oladele, but right. you go by Brendan. Right. So how did that kind of transition or how did that happen? That's so, the Irish side. All that daily. Irish Brandon. <laughs> um, man, so what it was was uh, I was born in Chicago. So that's why it was special for me to play with the Bears. Which yes. I won a Super Bowl with the Bears. Um, and then we moved to Nigeria. Then we came back to Chicago. Oh. And then. Um, how long were you in Nigeria? Just like three years. Okay. And then. Um, when I was 10, we left Chicago where I went by Dele, which is normal to chop off the prefix. So mm-hmm. like my brother's name's Obafemi or Adwale Ogunle, you call him Wale. Wale, yeah. Obafemi, you call him Femi, right? Um, even the singer Sade, she has a prefix on her name and she, mm. she goes by Sade, right? So I, I went by Dele 
And then that was fine in Chicago. That worked in Chicago. We kind of ethnic in Chicago. Yeah. But then I moved to Santa Cruz, California, and Dele, no one could say Dele. So <laughs> really? a, lot of, a lot of people that know me, if they call me Dele, they knew me before I was 10 years old. Yeah. If after 10, I started going by Brendan when I got to Santa Cruz, because I, I said I went from gangsters to granola, moving from Chicago to Santa Cruz, California. Like we had Whole Foods before they had Whole Foods. Yeah. So I'm like, man, just call me Brendan. Like, why can't just Jason, Brendan, you know, whatever. You got real normal. Go by Brendan. Yeah. Got had to, had to lose the Nigerian-ness a little bit. I had to I dial that. it down a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel that. Santa Cruz. Yeah. Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. I went there one exactly. time back in, back in sixth grade when I lived in Monterey. Old school. Yeah. Good times. Northern Cal, baby. You don't know nothing about that. Though. I don't. I mean. Yeah, and they didn't call you Peanut there. They had to call you Charles or Charlie when you went Charles. to Santa Cruz. Yeah, you yeah know? for sure. It was, it, was, it was Charles all day. It was my government name. Yeah. All you, day. Yeah. I don't even know you as that person. No, not at all. Most people don't. Most most people know me as as, as, as Peanut. Like my, my good friends. Yeah. Y'all, y'all know me as Peanut. That's, but why that's is it like, why is it uh, Peanut Charles, though? Like, why do they got to say both? Why can't they just say <laughs> Peanut? <laughs> I don't know. That's just kind of that's just kind of how it is. I don't know. That's just kind of how it, uh, it, it. That means they don't know you that well, maybe. That means they don't know me that well. You know, it is what it is. Um. <clears throat> so let's 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 dive back into it. So my first question to you is, um, locker room. You played ten years. I'm a what thirteen year guy. You're a twelve year guy. And 11, but thank you. What? I played eleven. Oh, okay. What I say, ten. No, you said twelve. Okay, I'm sorry. You're 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 a twelve. Don't take eleven year guy. Don't discount. No, he gave me one extra. I mean, I'll take it. I just one extra. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it, but I just take it. Just want to be correct. Go ahead, please. So, when you were with the Ravens, you were very uh, open about gay rights and 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 talking about that. And I think one of the cool things that one of the things that I didn't know, but doing my research, is the owner was really giving you support and telling you not to, not to be silenced. And I, I know one of the congressmen in, in Maryland tried to silence. He was like, well, you need to silence him and tell him to be quiet. But the ownership in Baltimore really backed you up and said, Oh no, he's, we support him and, and what he's talking about. And we, we love what he's doing and we want him to have a voice and, and, and talk about what he feels is right. Can you talk about what it felt like to have the owner of the Ravens, behind you and what it was like to have the support of your teammates in the locker room. Going back to that situation and really thinking about it, um, I had started my advocacy in 2009 and this kind of came to a head in 2012. Uh, Delegate Burns, an elected official in the city of of Baltimore, he wrote a cease and desist letter and sent it to the Baltimore Sun. So I wake up one day because I was giving away, I was uh, raffling like tickets away. I was, you know, I'd, I'd take my tickets, whatever tickets I had. And if you um, donated to a charity, uh, equal equal rights, marriage equality charity, then, you know, I would give you the, the ticket. So I was trying to raise funds, raise money for awareness, you know. So he basically told me to stop. And, you know, from our generation, if someone tells you to stop doing something, a lot of times you so could keep you going. your job. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's like, what are you going to do? Like, what are the ramifications if you don't comply? Yeah. You know, you ain't doing nothing illegal. Right, but like at the time, it was just a, conver- a, a very controversial issue. For sure, I, yeah. I, you know? you, and, and when I read about it too, I didn't realize how different it was at the time. Like this wasn't that long ago. And you were like so out of step of what not only the NFL was doing, but also your community and a very, you know, very democratic place in Baltimore. Like it, it seems to be, and I'm not trying to be so political, but 
when you look at it in today's <laughs> landscape in 2023, it's just different. And for you to be considered the first, and it wasn't that long ago, I, I think that's another testament to you and your story as well. And what you were standing for was on the right side of things. And look, we look at it as yeah, history. You look back and you're like, history. how did we do that? You look back and like, how did America ever have segregation? How did we yeah. have, how did women not be able to, yeah. to have this? I mean, still today, women don't get paid the same as men. Mm-hmm. And if you're a black woman, you get paid even less than anybody, right? So like, how do we still have inequalities in our society, in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave? Like gay people didn't even, if, if you were, they didn't have marriage equality, right? So Obama didn't even talk about marriage equality yet. Right. No one. There was no Black Lives Matters yet. Like none of these things were even <laughs> exposed, mm-hmm. you know. So that's why it was so big for me to talk about equal rights and start with marriage, being that one of my parents is black and one is white. And in America, yeah, in the '60s, you had Loving versus Virginia. You couldn't even a black and a white person in the South couldn't even get married. Yeah. So now we're talking about love is love, and we're talking about two people of the same gender being able to get married. So once again, like I thought it was a fight on equality, a fight against equality. So it was important for me to stand up for other people, even though I wasn't a part of that demographic because there's other people that stood on the side of us having the rights that we have. Do do you think that's more based upon, all right, uh, the way you were raised, like where does that come from? And then also maybe tell us on the... Because I'm sure you had some kind of pushback or oh, somebody yeah, against the grain in the, in the, in yeah. not on, and let's speak of it from the locker room terms. Right. Then maybe uh, the city, like when people saw you or because you were recognizable and uh, they don't know you're, you're not the same person then. You were much bigger. You're not as uh, ripped up. I guess I would say. Yeah, I think like the, the type of guy that I am, a lot of people are like, oh, that guy is gay. You know, like I do my eyebrows or, you know, I look a certain kind of way. Like I was a metrosexual guy, like before people were doing that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. oh, he's definitely gay or he's putting on a front or like, why is he so adamant about equal rights? And being that I had a black and a white parent, like my parents kind of taught me about those things. You mm. know, like, oh, there are inequalities in America. Like, yeah, I love this country and I think it's the greatest country on earth, but it's got a lot of effed up stuff going on in this country. A lot yeah. of flaws. Yeah, a lot of flaws, right? And there's a, like, how do we change those things? Well, me being a professional athlete, having the platform that I have, like I have the ability to change the landscape. <clears throat> so I took the chance in 2009, you know, um, Britney Spears went to Las Vegas and she married her friend and she instantly had more rights than some of my friends that had been in monogamous gay relationships for a decade. She instantly in Vegas had more rights with her and whoever she got married to for a day or two days or however long it was. So I'm like, man, I have a chance to make a change and make a difference. And so the first thing that happened is like I showed up at work the next day and, and some of that stuff went viral because I wrote mm-hmm. a, I did an op-ed in the Huffington Post. And uh, all of a sudden they're like, oh, Brendan's coming out. Brendan's coming out. I'm like, yeah, coming out <laughs> for equal rights. You know, like I was very self, <laughs> self-conscious about it at first, you know. And then I did think like, man, I could lose my job. Like when Delegate Burns, you know, wrote that op-ed. Yeah. And so it was very important that Dick Cass pulled me aside in the locker room. He, at the time, he was the president of the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And of course, he was in cahoots and talking to uh, Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens. And they're like, yeah, let's give Brendan support and let him know that we support this issue. But at the time, the NFL had not done anything for right. rights. Um, and they're still a little bit slow with some of the stuff. But now I think it's, 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 uh, it's the end thing taboo. to do. It's, I don't think it's taboo anymore. No, it's not. It's the end thing to it's do. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna do your little, uh, you're gonna do your little gay rights thing now because it's cool and they understand that. Like, 
gay people, they have a lot of money. The LGBT community has a lot of money. They have a lot of sway. They have a lot of power and they want you to spend their money on, on your products, you know? So not everybody does it, but back then it wasn't popping off like that. I mean, there's always resistance when you want to fight against something though. Like, I mean, we, 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 and I I won't, we won't go down the whole Colin Kaepernick uh, thing, but he was, he was very similar issue. He was standing up for, for rights against black people and, did a simple gesture kneeling. And then, I mean, you're anytime you want to get a message across, you're going to meet some resistance, you know, like it's, it's, that's kind of like the norm. And I, I, I think if you don't get that resistance, people ain't really paying attention. So when you, when you get that resistance, like you got the cease and desist letter, like, yeah, it, it, it was a big deal. And and people, it, it brought attention, it brought awareness. People started listening. People, oh, okay, yeah, what 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 is this about? It brought more attention to your calls, and right, you know what I'm saying. Like that's just that's just kind of how it works. Like even just saying, like I'm not gonna sit in the back of the bus. Like there was a whole Birmingham, like there was a whole thing. Like I'm not gonna sit. Like I'm gonna drink from this water fountain. You know For what I'm sure, saying? Yeah, so well, yeah, most definitely. It's hard to change minds. It's hard to change opinions. Um, but I think you just got to kill him with kindness and you just got to do it with love and come yeah, from a positive yeah. place. I think that's why Colin had so much. Um, he was so divisive because like, you know, he had a great message, but then you can't wear any cop killer stuff, you know, because that's not the right message. The right message is like, don't kill me because I'm black. Like mm-hmm. you should. You're a peace officer. You should be protecting me. Um, and so, you know, like when you kind of have a controversial message, but it's the right thing. You got to make sure you always do it in the right way. And that's why MLK was so, so, so successful. And he was very nonviolent. Told you to turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. And so that's it, tough to do when they're, when they're killing you. It's really hard to do, but that's Try why Jesus, you, not me. Cause yeah. I throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> He's Nigerian by the way. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, um, um, <laughs> something that's not controversial, Super Bowl. Yeah. Kind of going back to it. Um, both you guys were there. Uh, when Devin Hester returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown in, in the Super Bowl. I don't think that's ever been done before until he did that. I was watching it. You guys were both there. Inside the 30. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. And no flag, 92 yards. You had a critical block on that play. You went from a double team, then you went off and caught a guy on a single block outside to kind of spring him, keep the hole, the alley wide open for this touchdown. So um, how was that emotion? What was you guys' emotions on the sideline? Like, tell me what that's like. You, you wait on this game your whole life. All the flashing lights, everything on the first kickoff, you know what it's like. Right. And then all of a sudden you score on this play. Automatically, you got to be like, oh, this is over. It's a wrap. Like, we're about to just kill it. We're going to crush it. Take me through that emotion, that play. I've never witnessed or been a part of anything uh, quite so dramatic. I'm sure he will be different. I'll I'll let B.A. you go, you go real quick, and I'll, mine will be 100% completely different from his. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say that um, in the Super Bowl with the Ravens and the Niners, Jacoby Jones also scored a touchdown. I was going to go there, but... And hey. I was on the field, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. And I will say Devin Hester's touchdown rate with B.A. on the field was a lot higher than when B.A. wasn't on the field. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But um, I think I think we have such a special thing in Dave Tobe, which is our special teams coach. I'm surprised he's not a head coach. You always talk about it. You talk about you talk about this guy all the time. Special teams Hall of Famer, no doubt. Special guy. Special Special guy. guy. Um, But that's what we did. So you know, like while I wasn't 
surprised that it happened because we had did it so many times, even multiple games with two touchdowns in a game. Like that's what we did. And yeah. we won games on defense and special teams. Sure, that's just yeah. what we did. And every team I played on had that DNA that special teams and defense. But um, to do it on the first play of the Super Bowl, mm. yeah, we're like, oh, we're off to a great start. This is going <laughs> to be a great night. Ended up being a tough night. But yeah, it felt, it felt amazing. And I think the thing that feels even better um, than watching it on the field is that I always see that play like once a week. Devin Hester's got to be a Hall of Famer. He's got to be. But to see it's him just happen. do his thing. I, I'm still the only guy in the room that's like, hmm. I don't know. It's going to happen. If you, I'm the if, only guy in the well, room. You, you've played, we played with them, but to play against them, you feared that man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was a game changer. So yeah. I think no one's ever been, you know, who's done what he's done. And the rules are going to change, so it's yeah. not going to have as yeah. many opportunities. So let's let's go for Super Bowl 47 real quick. Uh, there was a controversial, I don't know if it was a call, but they, they thought it you was were holding. It was not a call. It was not a call. It was not a call, but people people thought you were right, holding. Right, right, right. Yeah. With, with, with Jacoby, do Right. Do you think you're holding? I mean, I was holding, but I was holding within the rules because when you're in a double team, which most people don't know, is that you can hold somebody from the back on a double team. But on a normal block, you can't do that, right? Because naturally, if you double team somebody, they're going to try to spin out of it or do whatever. So yeah. the rules kind of <laughs> apply differently. So you just need to know the rules. If you don't know the rules, then it yeah. is it is what it is. Then maybe I can give you the the, the rule section in the <laughs> NFL code 2.7 I, I, I agree they allow you to hold in certain situations double teams on the outside versus gunners dude you can hold them like all day you, long you can all you, day long it, nobody ever cares so to set that so that was the first play of the second half right 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 did the lights the lights had already turned off did, Man, did I that, think it happened shortly after that, if I'm not mistaken. It did. It was oh, like because yeah. okay. Baltimore so, really went so up the, at that point. They yeah. were like, oh, shut this thing off before people yeah. turn the lights. The lights went Cut it off. Cut it off. Coming back, start of the second half. They kick off Jacoby to the, to the house. house. 109, yeah. right? If I'm not mistaken, it's 109 yards. And look at him go. Jones is past the 50, and he is flying inside the 20. And a kickoff return. It's yeah, yeah, there's a photo right there. Hey, we dancing back there. Yeah. We celebrating. 109 I, yards. I feel like you're about to air hump right there. That's that's the whole sword. I was going to push it real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. The entire <laughs> kick return like team, that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. 51, 86, 44, 35, and Jacoby number 12 right there with his leg up, just feeling himself, feeling yeah. good. Right. After going 109 yards, coast to coast. Brendan, with with your ankles in that position and your it looks like you're about to you're, you're about to thrust. Right, right, right. Okay. You can definitely see this on the YouTube version. That's yeah. yeah. So let me ask I I don't think I've ever asked you this. Um what was more exciting? Devin's or Jacoby's? Man, you know what? I think they probably felt the same. But to do it the first play of the yeah, game. I, 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 I was I mean, waiting I was, for it. I it's didn't never it. been done before. So yeah. the first play of the game. But like honestly, a lot of those emotions from the uh from the first Super Bowl with the Bears versus the Colts. Like, a, a lot of that stuff I don't remember. You know, I kind of suppressed. Like, it really does hurt. You know what I'm saying? When you lose, I, I, I agree. lose a chip. Especially when you go through that whole season, a special season together. Like, we're the best team yes, pretty much are. all year. We started the yeah. season. I don't know if it was 8-0 or something like that. But we went on a very nice run. Yeah. Um, so, for it to end like that, you know, it was... it was. You beat my New Orleans Saints. That was, a, uh, that was one yeah, of the best yeah, games. That was, the best that was game. a fun game. That was Reggie Bush's fault, though. Because Reggie Bush was, like, trying to taunt 
Braun Urlacher. <laughs> you guys are still mad about that. Joel, clearly. I'm not mad about it. Was that, that, was, that, was, that was the NFC Championship game. No, I'm saying he brought it on himself. It was just like, <laughs> he was a rookie. Everybody was like. Urlacher was upset going oh, into that game. Okay. Well, tell Urlacher to cover him. Like was upset. We did, and we ended up covering them. <laughs> so, yeah, we got the last laugh for that game. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody tripping on it. Don't don't be mad because we destroyed y'all. Did we play y'all twice that year? Uh, uh, no. no, no. They played, we, we played the following year as well, um, late in the season, and <laughs> Chicago won again yeah, yeah. in Soldier Field. I, for me, at that point, I was just tired of going to the cold weather. Like, why they keep going? Why we keep going up here? Late in the season. It's different. We definitely it, get some wins off that cold weather. It is totally different. Um, and until you've done it, you don't understand it. We'll be right back after a quick break. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. <laughs> so, I'm retired. You're retired. You're retired. We've all been retired for a number of years, and respectively, we're on our second acts. Talk to us about your Peapod Theory and how you use that in your second act? Yeah, well, I like to say we just transition because when you say retired, it gives people the wrong idea. Like, mm-hmm. no, we ain't retiring and we done. Like, we transitioning. Yeah. Um, and so Words matter. Up, yeah, they do I matter. I tell right? my it, wife that all the time. Words matter. It sets an intention, right? It sets mm-hmm. an energy. And um, so I always say, you know, I always say transition. And then when I go speak to guys and, and you know, if I'm working with the Ravens or if I'm working with the Dolphins or certain teams that bring me back to talk to guys about entrepreneurship, I'm like, you don't retire. And uh, so we're just going to transition. So let's just get the the R word out of here and maybe not use it. Okay. Um, so yeah, my peapod theory is that like, you know, it's a bunch of peas and they all sit in this pod together and it's like, okay, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to transition and how are you going to transition s- successfully? Right. I'm going to write so, it down. Take your time. Take Thanks. your time. No. Um, and so it's like, the, the first thing is like, what are you passionate about? Right. So that's the first P like your passion. And when you do things that you're passionate about, it's easy to wake up. It's easy to do them. It's easy to to, to interact in those things. Um, but is there something, is there a problem, which is the next P with something that you're passionate about? Like, for example, you guys, like guys are podcasting. Well, there's a opportunity here to get your message out, to talk, to entertain, to educate. And you're passionate about that. Right. So the problem is that there's nobody like you two in this podcasting space. 
So you're solving a problem and you're, you're providing some type of service and, and there's a benefit there. So first you find the problem um, around the scope of something that you're passionate about. And then um, from there, it's going to fill your cup and it gives you purpose. So for me, I found uh, my entrepreneurship, I found it in fitness franchising. And I love fitness. I was a fitness guy. I always would, you know, you'd, Peanut would always see me working out. I'd be the first guy in there working out. I'd love the workouts, yada, yada, yada. Like, okay, so I'm passionate about working out. Well, mm-hmm. what's the problem in fitness? Well, America is the, the unhealthiest country in the world. So there's an opportunity. Maybe I can provide some type of fitness service to the world. And if I can get people healthy, then that's going to give me purpose. Um, and so those are the first three P's. And then the next P is like, okay, well, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it for profit? Um, are you doing it for philanthropy? Um, so what's the the reason that you're doing it? For me, I was doing it for for profit, but I, in my instance, I was also making a lot of money doing it. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, and helping people. So those are kind of that's my peapod theory. And then the last P is just people and uh, working with people, helping people, providing a benefit to people, being a value add to people. Um, and so, yeah, I talk about the peapod theory and, and trying to figure out like what's going to be next. And it's kind of like doing a SWOTS analysis mm-hmm. on yourself, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So I kind of like put these grids together and, and you're kind of just creating a board and, and trying to figure it out. So this is kind of like the first step in telling younger guys that are transitioning out of ball. But the thing is that you never know when you're going to transition, right? right. We're all fortunate never. enough to mm-hmm. play double digit years in the league. Yes. And if you look at the statistics, I think it's like less than 10%. Was it's three percent? No, no, no. I was saying oh. three years. I was saying three years. We played three years, but you saying right. less but than three percent to play double digits. To play double digits is yeah. I don't know. It's like six. I don't know. It's like somewhere six to ten percent when you get to 10, 11, 12, 13, Of course, right. So it's very like, rare. Bro, we was super blessed. <laughs> bro, we was out there like cats were going home and playing video games. We we're going home to kids like getting ready yeah. for for. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, uh, school night or whatever it was that we were going to be doing, but That's it was just very another different. crazy stat a, when, it, when it comes to like life, football, yeah. um, the journey in which we're going to have Taylor take. look that up. The, the, the longevity of guys that play 10 plus don't years. Don't be making Taylor nervous over there. <laughs> you know, they send it out though. They send it out in the, um, you know, like you get your little monthly packets or whatever. Yes, you do. Yeah. They send it out. I was like, man, this is pretty interesting. And then to go, like, to go to 12 years, it was like even smaller numbers. You know, it went from like, less than 10% to like two to 3%. Right. You know? Yeah, it does. Wild. Um, so, uh, all right, tell me how the Orange Theory and West Coast Fitness Partnerships, uh, like how did it develop and uh, the next steps of what you're trying to build as an empire? Yeah, so um, oddly enough, like, you know, even with marriage equality, like there's an opportunity for me and I answered the call. With Orange Theory, there was an opportunity for me and I answered the call. Um, Did you do Orange Theory while you were playing? No, I found it three days after, three days after three the Super Bowl. Days. So two hours. Cause I, I just think it's very interesting when uh, like the guys that do Orange Theory versus like, oh, I'm just going to work out. It, it's just another, it's another lane. It, it's just totally, it's different and and so that's why I want to know more of it and, and tell me how you found your way on it. Yeah. So coincidentally enough, I played on, on in the Super Bowl February 3rd, 2013. And then on February 6th, um, I went to Orange Theory for the first time and my ex had introduced it to me. So it's like Super Bowl on Sunday, Orange Theory on Wednesday. And when I went there, I was very surprised mm-hmm. um, because when we work out, like we pay a lot of money to work out at these facilities and they give us these programs. We show up at whatever slot of time you want to show up. They have your lift program. They have your run program or whatever it is. It might be p- uh, position specific that day or it might be regen. So recovery, whatever it is. But we pay a lot of money, like a thousand a week to work out at some of these facilities. 
but you can go to Orange Theory and you'll get a whole program. You decide what time you want to work out. You get a whole program and it's whatever, you know, like for West Coast Fitness, it's like $199 a month for <clears> unlimited, <throat> right? Yeah. And so you get this this in, this in uh, all-inclusive training program that, that that's going to teach you everything, like whether you're a runner, jogger, power walker, and that's kind of your cardio or your anaerobic cardio side, and then your lifting side, we're going to work, you know, full body. So once I saw the program, I'm like, man, like these people show up and they're happy and they're elated and they're, they're crushing their goals and the energy is just amazing. The company was founded in Florida. I was living in Florida at the time. So I walked into the number, the first orange theory that was ever created. I walked Oh, so it's a little special. Do you think it's about the community as well? Absolutely. Because I think that, that's I, really- Have you ever been to yeah. Orange Theory? I have. I've, yeah. I've gone before. And Definitely it, it, good energy. But there's 1,400 locations. I walked in, there was about 80 locations at the time and I saw an opportunity. Yeah. And through through doing my MBA and, and being able to look at P&Ls and, and uh, business plans- What's and, a P&L? Uh, profits and losses. Just looking okay. at, at just the, the health of a business, you yeah. know, like expenses and- Good job. Good job. <laughs> Gary Madelon's going to love that. Yeah. Expenses and revenue and, and all that stuff. So um, I did my MBA while I was playing uh, George Washington University. So yep. as, I was trans- as I was transitioning out. U-Dub, Wale. You know, Hunter was, uh, so one of my teammates, Hunter, Hunter Hillenmeyer, Hill- Hunter which I see kind of all the time now because we do some business together. Yeah. But um, we would we would be at practice and he would go to. Wharton. He'd go to no, school. No, he went after. to Kellogg, excuse me. He went. He went yeah, to Kellogg was, in uh, Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to Kellogg. So he would go to school after practice, and he was yeah. our starting Sam linebacker for the Chicago Bears. I'm like, yeah, I remember him. I'm like, Hunter, you're going, you're going back to school. I'm like, why? Why would you want to go back to school? Like, you're yeah. set. I'm like, I'm never going back to school. Fast forward five, six years later, what was I doing? I was sitting in that classroom. I'm like, oh, this is Same. why. Yeah, this I, is why I Hunter's I, doing that. I think I graduated, got my MBA, or not my MBA. I got my master's in. In Carolina, 2015. Yeah, I, I think all you guys are crazy. It's a different thing to do it while you're playing. And yeah, I make sure you know the sleep monster is undefeated, so I have to sit front row. Yeah. So I sit front <laughs> row, and then, of course, the professor is going to be like, oh, Brendan, so you guys are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. How's that going to be? You know, so, but um, no, it was a great experience, but it, it taught me really how to look at di- look at business a different way. Yeah. And even like the NFL is a franchise. Every team is a franchise. So I started to put my business cap on and my owner's cap and so when I walked into Orange Theory, I saw a great opportunity to be able to bring Orange Theory back to California. At the time, they hadn't had a California location. Um, and now in our portfolio, we have 50 Orange Theories. The bulk of them are in California. We have 10 in Cincinnati, um, Ohio. But I was just able to really just dissect the business. I saw a great opportunity. And we started with one. And through M&A, mergers and acquisitions, we were acquired by a private equity firm. And we were able to scale up and, and, yeah. and buy more locations. So, That's dope. I mean talking about it all was first of all was california always your main goal uh and and taking it out there because you just saw the opportunity like you're talking about and you also i also want to know is your your goal and you've said it publicly is you want to get to 100 orange series um and have you got to that how many have you got to and also are you going to um how close are you or are you you're still is your goal still the three hundred dollar, uh, three hundred million dollar valuation is that still your target? Man, oh. you did some research, didn't you? We read a little bit. So, man, y'all, I, I got Thomas y'all, y'all in there. Thomas, okay, shout, shout out, out, shout out Thomas. to Thomas. You doing some I mean, diligence over there? I mean, I'm still, a- I'm still asking the questions, but yes, shout out to Thomas. <laughs> right. So, oh so the landscape has changed. I think the thing is, is that you have to be able to to um, be malleable and change as the landscape changes. So, yeah. COVID really changed the fitness business. It made everything different. I, I yeah. It, it made. I tell you, I agree. 
So that it, ch- it changes. So I got to be able to change. I got to be able to adjust. So Adapt, I, don't, I yeah. don't think, yeah, I don't think we'll be able to get to a hundred orange theories now, but I've pivoted. Oh. Uh, and so I still sit on the board with my, my company, West coast fitness. We actually have a board call today, but, um, so I also invested into another franchise that's called kid strong. Okay. And we currently have three units open. We have three units in progress. And so I think between the two, I'll be able to get to a hundred between the two and still get to that, that valuation that I'm. So, so tell me what kids strong is. Let, let's talk about that. Yeah. So it's a accelerated childhood development program. You know, okay. we focus on, are you guys lifting weights or running? So it's, it's, it's so, Bending, swatting. So, so the kids are doing milestone based activities. Yeah. So, you know, like if you're, if you're two years old, you should be able to jump and land off of two feet. Yes. Um, as you start to, as you start to get into, um, first yeah, all kindergarten, kids can't, all, all kids can't do that though. Like we, we right. All kids can't just, do that, but we got to just face reality. Like right. just, you're your right. baby all kids is can't not do it. athletic. <laughs> But just like your everything is not, not for your, everybody, though. Everything's not for everybody. Your baby going to be on the sideline holding the sticks. Like, let's just, <laughs> just we like got to call it how it football's is. Football's not like, for everybody. Yeah. You know, but like, but the majority of kids, milestone based, the majority of healthy young kids can jump and land off of two feet. Yes. When you start to get into kindergarten and first grade, you start to work on penmanship. Well, what makes your hand strong? Well, hanging does. So we have the kids hang. So we do we do milestone based fitness you. for the children yeah, that are going to help them and apply awesome. to life. So they also um, we work on their character. So they have to present and they have to talk in front of a crowd or in front of their other pupils in, in the class. Um, and so, yeah. So it's like imagine just we're working on all these different things from brain, body and character um, to develop those things in your children from age one all the way to age 11 when they age out. Yeah. Now, are you still investing with uh, Tonal? I am still investing with Tonal, but I'm not working with Tonal anymore. Okay. So, I, I mean, my money's there. The money's just sitting in. <laughs> so, uh, we're, we're rooting for it. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not always going to win, but once again. I mean, you're wearing a Tesla show, shirt. Yeah. So. I am wearing a Tesla shirt. I mean, you're all hey, over the place. All I, I love it. You got to have a diversified portfolio. Come on now. Diversification. Come on now. I'm with you. I'm you hear me? You. Come on. Yeah. I'm with you. Come so, on. But everything's not going to be a winner. So you got to take, you know, you got to yeah. You see an opportunity. You think you have a chance. You look at the business model. You look at who's running the company. Do they have, you know, a great yeah. leader, a great CEO, a great founder? Is it a great product? What's the market? What's the, what's the landscape like? So the fitness landscape has changed a lot. So, you know, you got to be able to be able to mold and bend and It's looking at your... That's looking at your W's and L's. What is that? My wins and losses. It's smart. It's smart. <laughs> staying right there, staying current. Yeah. Um, I'm I, with that. I like I like that, though. What's it? Tell, talk to me, you know, so I feel like I can still play. I look like I can still play, but technically I probably still can't play. We, we, every, every, <laughs> uh, I can get it. I can get three practices in. No doubt. No doubt. I can still, I, no doubt. Thomas, I can still dunk. <laughs> You I go can still out dunk. there. I can dunk vertical right now. Okay, that's I'm, fine. I'm just trying to tell you. Can you can still dunk, Peanut? I can still wow. dunk. I can still dunk. On a, on a 10-foot goal. On a 10-foot goal, vertically. Yeah. It right. might take me four or five times, but in the end, I might, I'm might. i going to still get it done. No doubt. I can do that. My question is, we're all fitness gurus. We all work out. What's it been like for you traveling around the world, speaking and preaching the gospel of fitness to people around the world? How, how has that been? I think it's been, you know, like I'm a kind of a testament of, of what I'm speaking about, you yeah. know? So it's like, I always try to be an example, um, when it comes to fitness, but it's so much more than just the way that I look. It's, you know, I was talking to Jocelyn, it's like, okay, well, like, what are my organs? Like, you know, like, what does my face look like? What does my appearance look like? So it's a holistic approach. And, um, for me, it's longevity. So 
when I think about my fitness, like how do I get to a hundred and, and, and be functional and be happy and be mm. healthy and be pain free? Can I get to one thirty and still do that? People are like, no, take me out. I don't want to make oh, it to a hundred, but I want to be that's like old Testament right there. That's I want to be, yeah, I want to be able, I want to be capable. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, I think about everything. So it's diet, it's sleep, it's, you know, like what am I putting in my body in terms of supplementation? Um, stress levels, happiness levels. Like, so there's a lot of different things that, that I take into it. It's not just fitness. I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, fitness might be the third or fourth most important thing mm-hmm. is you're working out. But it's like, what's your sleep like? What's your diet like? What's your stress levels like? Stress, pressure can bust pipes. We know stress can yes. cause cancer. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of different variables that and things that I like to talk about and bring to fruition. Um, but it's more than just fitness. I think fitness is kind of, for me, it's more of a stress reliever yeah. and a release. And then it helps me get my rocks off too a little bit. You know, like you talking about dunking or whatnot, like it just makes my quality of life better. But I want to be able to, you know, I still want to be able to move some things and do some things and Show, yeah. keep What's the that, abs man? a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. BA was always in the cutoff <laughs> shirt in the locker room, you know? Oh, Thomas, are, are, are I, you I ready? He's, he's killing. Oh no! Are you ready? Oh no! I mean, you talk about it. <laughs> so, so what we're looking at right now is VA. Hey, everything. You know, I got the Hoochie Daddy motion. shorts on. You know, what he's saying? walking in slow motion. Like, I mean, the shades. Yeah. Hey. The shades. I mean, Shout out to my son, Amadeus Prime, for filming that right there. That's yeah. not on, that's on not YouTube, professional. You can see this. Oh, I, let's pull hey, him up a the, little bit more. Look at it. Look at the stank. Look at this face on him. Like the this face. You look like a baseball player. You know, my friend, like a Latino Dominican. Yeah. Oh man, y'all had to just put me on. It's okay. <laughs> what do you mean we put you on? You put that out there for the world to see. It's, it's, you put it out there. We didn't. I mean, I didn't. We do our research. I, didn't, I mean, you, there's a lot of different things you could have posted on there. You could have put a picture with me and Obama up there if you really wanted to hype me up. Yeah, that's hey, boring. Man, we we could have did that. That's boring. That is boring. Yeah, that is, that is hey, but boring. I own that the though. Peop- I own the it. The people want to see that. I mean, it, it helps though that you are a fit guy. If you're, I wouldn't respect you. If you had a fitness of you, you talk about the, all this orange theory, and he was like five hundred pounds. Like I'm like I'm not working on it. Hey, but did your did your did your football coach play football though? Did Bob Babbage play football? He did in high school. <laughs> he did in college. Most college coaches have, or I'm sorry, most coaches, pro coaches it got to the college coaches, level. They got to the college level. They it takes it's. Uh, There's not a lot of Ron Rivera's out there. No, it's uh, <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm saying. Like it's <laughs> it's right, that's right. What, so I mean, you can teach people how to be fit. You don't have to be an example like that, but it does help to be an example. So let me here, here's a, here's you a, should here's not a, apologize for that. That's no, a, I'm not apologizing. I said I own that. No, 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 yeah, no, but no, for sure. I, I, I think I it's guess, I think it's even funnier because as we look through your Instagram, you got certain videos, some similar to that. Then you got a serious face. And I'm like, all right, so what are we selling here? <laughs> like, what are we doing? I, I, I love it. I, I think it's awesome that. You know, I had, to, I had to rebrand the IG. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. I had I, to rebrand. You know what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing Definitely wrong with that wrong at all. That. I mean, it's a lot of abs. CrossFit. Are they athletes or are they just people that work out? Oh, no. Oh. Athletes. The CrossFitters are athletes. This is a, this is a big deal here. So, yeah. for me personally. So, Sean Payton broke his leg when you're. Not paying right, attention. Right. Somebody fell on him on the sidelines, broke his leg. Big, he's a big CrossFitter. He's a huge CrossFitter, right. right? So he went into this whole CrossFit thing where, like, he's just going to recover. And that's what he got through. He got stronger. He got his lower body got stronger. For him, he got stronger. And then he was like, all right, we're instead of the normal conditioning test where we're doing 300-yard shuttles or whatever that is to get ready for the season, we're going to do, like, CrossFit games. So you had to do, like, so many hang cleans, so many, like, uh, 
like power cleans from the floor. Right. Then you had to do like these uh, jump over the bar. The um, Sean ain't athletic, man. It's not even about that. The bottom line is this. He set a time for all the NFL guys. We all had to hit these certain times. Right. To like do this. And then he had all his CrossFit buddies come in from his big gym. And they destroyed the NFL times. No? No. No. The NFL times destroyed theirs. Well, the pro CrossFitters, though. Right. I think it's a total different battle. Yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on with that. It was just funny to see because... Like the original thought process goes exactly where you were. It was like, these guys are going to destroy whatever we did. And then you come to find out, no, actually we're still right. superior athletes. And we know how to almost sudden, like when we get really tired, we just push through. Yeah. Like that's just what we do as athletes. Right. And it seems like you've done that in business. You found a way to be successful in other lanes. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. And what you're talking about that, you know, you weren't you 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 balled out at UCLA. You know we can go all the way back to the USC game where you had like four sacks. All you did was just eat, and this is what you were. You were a great player there, and then you found a way to be successful through the Canadian League. Uh, you bounced around from uh, CFL to uh, other leagues in football, just trying to make it. You went to NFL Europe, right? Right. And so, and then you find your way. A couple practice squads. It didn't matter about anything. You're one of those that like a testament that. I'm going to find a way to be successful at whatever I'm doing, no matter what. How does that happen? How could you share your story or say a couple of words of advice to all those that want to be successful, whether it's life, whether it's football, all the different avenues? What was the one piece of advice that you say, like, okay, through it all, this is what's got me through it? Yeah, I think um, I've always been an underdog and I've always been underestimated, mm-hmm. and uh, but I never would quit. So, you know, I just have that underdog, that 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 big that big heart and that big fight mentality. So for me, I'm always failing forward. And if I'm not failing at what I'm doing, then I'm, I'm not the goal. The moonshot goal isn't high enough. And so I think a lot of people, when they fail, they think that failure, you know, means that you did something wrong Well, you actually, well, what's the process once, once you fail, it's like, mm-hmm. do you take notes? Do you regroup or do you have baby steps? Like Elon Musk, when he launched his first rocket, he's like, I just want to get this rocket off off the platform. Yeah. Right. The goal isn't to get like the goal is to get to Mars, but I just want this rocket to get off the platform. So he knows like, okay, I need this rocket to last 15 seconds. Just launch. Then the next rocket's like, okay, this next rocket's going to last one minute. Then eventually I'm going to take a rocket up and I'm going to land it. So I think, you know, you can quit at just getting off the platform or you can fail forward and you continue to fight and, and yeah. strive. And so everyone has different goals, different aspirations. I've always had big goals, big dreams, big aspirations as a kid that grew up in the projects of Chicago to play for the Chicago bears. You know, when I moved out of Chicago, um, the bears had won their last Super Bowl with Walter Payton and uh, Jim McMahon, that amazing team, right? Uh, Mike Singletary, a linebacker. So um, for me to finally make it, I was like, man, I got to be a Chicago Bear. I got to play in the NFL, you know, and eventually yeah. I reached that goal. But I got cut three times before I even made my first right. NFL team. In fact, the Bears <laughs> was one of the teams that cut me. Um, <laughs> I don't think I knew that. Yeah, when I was, uh, it was uh, Erlacher's first year. I was actually with the Bears. Okay. Um, I signed with them. So 2000, 2000 was the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they cut me that year. And then it was just kind of poetic justice that I came back and they traded for me in, in 2005. But um, yeah, I think just failing forward is is very important. And um, But you have to do self-analysis as well. For you, sure. You can't just think like you're going to fail. And if you do the same thing, then you're probably just going to fail again. 
So you do that self-analysis and, and fail forward. Take those notes. What lessons did you learn? Yeah. And so I usually don't say losses. I say lessons instead of losses. So For you sure. have wins and, and lessons. Yeah. And, and that's basically just trying again and not giving up being that underdog. So it yeah, kind yeah. of all, I all like the that. DNA was there for me. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So being that we are in LA, uh, thanks for your answer. This, this is a, he's big, a big Kobe fan and a testament by you being an underdog. And I, I, I know Kobe Bryant had the, the late great Kobe Bryant had that, uh, mama mentality. Talk to, talk to us about what Kobe meant to you and how he inspires you. Well, I was actually at a at a a special conference for Orange Theory, but yeah, I was on a plane when I actually heard what happened, <clears throat> and um, I was flying back from from an Orange Theory conference, like a special conference for Orange Theory, and then I'd heard what happened, and like you hear about celebrities and people dying all the time, but Kobe was such an instrumental piece of LA and getting LA a championship and whatnot. But man, I, I cried when when Kobe passed away. And um, I'm friends with his sister, Shea, Shea Bryant. But just to see everything that he did, he'd be on campus when I was at UCLA as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, he'd be there. Working out, going to the gym. Uh, yeah, he'd be doing that, but he'd be doing some other things on campus too. It's a nice campus. I've been out there. It ain't bad. It's not bad. He was definitely working out and playing, but he was enjoying, you know, I mean, at the time he was just, he was a, he was a teenager. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, yeah. Yeah, it was before he was married and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just the, the Mamba mentality and everything that he's done, but then to also see him transform and continue to level up and get better. Cause he had, he had mentioned a gay slur, um, during a game and he caught a bunch of flack for it. Yeah. And what did he do? He stepped up and he embraced it. And so he leaned into the gay community and he started donating and learning and started preaching love, um, when it comes to the LGBTQ community and then he stopped saying any gay slurs and stuff like that. So to see somebody that was already that great and mm -hmm. there was still space for greatness, that says a lot like, what if you're good? If you're just good, then there's a high ceiling for you to improve and to get better. And so don't just rest on your laurels and think that good is good enough. Just like Kobe was great, but being where he was, mm -hmm. that wasn't good enough. So I think he taught us a lot of lessons and very instrumental person in LA. I actually brought my daughter to um, the crash site. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, just, you know, just up just up north here, north of LA. And I uh, brought him to the crash site, and brought my daughter to the crash site and we brought flowers mm -hmm. for him and and uh, his daughter. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a sad time, but um, yeah, and I still think, you know, LA is still affected by it. Um, but yeah, it's rare to have a person that amazing and it sucks. Yeah. It was way too soon that we lost such a special person. For sure. So so here's a question that we never ask anybody on the show, right? You've had... Why me? No, no. It's, Why me, Kakawate? I'm just... Yeah, it's just something... It's, I'm, Are you just feeling it? I'm just feeling it right now, off the cuff, freestyle. Okay. Something we never ask anybody on the show. Let me my book. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw it to this. Is this his ADD kicking in? <clears throat> Possibly so. <laughs> Possibly. So... You've had a very successful life, uh, great career in the NFL. Business-wise, you're you're killing it right now in the, in the fitness world, business world. Excuse me. Um, if you had a Mount Rushmore, four people on Mount Rushmore. If you had a Mount Rushmore of mentors, who would they be? Of mentors, huh? Mentors, yeah, who've helped you just throughout life. Yeah, Man, just came up with that. That's a good one. You know why? Because I've never really had a mentor. And there's okay. one person that's been very instrumental in my life. Okay. It doesn't have to be mentors. Just like people that have helped you that people just have been instrumental or like people that just like, yo, man, I, yeah. 
this person, that person, that person, and that person. But there's, you only there's, get four. Th- there's been pivotal moments. Okay. There's definitely been pivotal moments. Give me and four And I think you can moments. tell, like, I kind of, like, marched to the beat of my own drum. Yeah. But the most instrumental <laughs> person in my success is my older brother, Obafemi. And he's 18 months older than me. And everything that I ever did, he was kind of the icebreaker. And so he would clear the path and it was harder for him to do it, but I eventually did it and he made it easier for me. So being that he was my brother at some juncture, my brother always, but at some junctures, he was my father, my protector, um, helping me get tryouts and workouts with NFL teams and whatnot. So he did a lot for me. Um, Is he still that same impact on your life? Do you feel like it? I think he is, but. You know, being that he was 18 months older, which isn't a lot, but no, when you're a kid, like when one of you is seven and one of you is five, <laughs> that's a big gap. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He's like, like that's 25% older than me. You know what I'm saying? But um, <laughs> now the gap is kind of shrunk and we're more so on, on the same playing field and we kind of sharpen each other. But there was always more competition in my house because yeah. him and I were just at each other's throats all the time. And then eventually we figured it out that like, it's me and you against everybody. It's not me and you against each other, you know? Um, so yeah, he was probably the most important. And I think the next pivotal moment for me was probably in 2008. And I was back at UCLA and I was visiting my linebacker coach, Bobby Field. Mm-hmm. And he's the assistant, at the time he was the assistant athletic director and he was my linebacker coach at UCLA. And then eventually he was assistant head coach at UCLA. And um, he's been in kind of sports and academia his whole career. And uh, I said, coach, you know, it's 2008. I've been playing ball for five years now. Um, I'm, you know, just what's next? You know, I'm trying to figure out what's next for me. Uh, what advice or what, you know, what could you tell me to help me in, in that department? And I'm thinking about, you know, I want to be in, in athletics and higher education. You know, maybe I want to be an athletic director one day. Mm-hmm. He's like, Brendan, go get your MBA. Go back, go back to school and get your MBA and, and, that's exactly what I did. And so that was a pivotal moment. I remember that conversation. Um, and I remember doing it and completing it. And Why did he say the NBA was so important for you at the time? I, I, Do I you think, think he saw that? Did you just see like you were just different? You needed to be more focused on that, that, that lane of business. Is that what it was? Yeah, or? I think so. Cause um, I already had that, the athletic acumen yes. in, in the athletic education. Yeah. Um, so he wanted me to get the business acumen and I wasn't, you know, at the time there wasn't, now there's a lot of internships and yeah, a lot yeah. of different things that they do for additional education. Like we didn't have any of that stuff. No, no, no. no. When, we were, when we were in the league back then. So he's like, yeah, just go get your MBA. That's yeah. probably the best thing you can Become do. more, more whole, like holistic and then also uh, business savvy you, as well. Did you get your master's degree? No. no. Oh, okay. No. Just, just us? Peanut? Just, just me and you? Just us. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just throwing yeah. it out there. Anybody oh, else in the studio have a master's? Just me and Peanut? Toma, oh. no. Yeah, man. You. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, hella sir. smart, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I, I appreciate it, man. Uh, Oladele, thank you. Um, that was really good. I don't know if you got all four. Did you? No, nah, I mean, I think those were kind of like the two, the yeah. two kind of things. His brother that... twice and the coach twice. Okay. They well, got, they got, they got two faces on the on the on the, on the mountain. That's, okay. that's how I'm, I'm cool with that. I just, I, like I just didn't know if he finished up. He I mean, and then like watching the way that the the Ravens run their organization and their program. So Dick Cass was very, you know, there's some nice. little moments with Dick Cass as well. But there's, you know, I, I pretty much marched to the beat of my own drum a yeah, lot, and that's why sure. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of a different guy, kind of like Kakawate is, you know, different. I like it. Ba, hey man, we appreciate you. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate Much it. Much continued success in the Orange Theory. Uh, and everything else, man. You're, you're very diversified. I, yeah. I, I love your love story. It. I love your journey. Continue to uh, beat, uh, 
you know, go off your own beat of your own drum. Um, I, I think that's a, it's been a blessing and a, a really good thing for you, man. So shout out to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share my story and, yeah, and get my message out. There. Hey, I'm peanut. This is my guy, Roman black and white Harper. So Salt pepper. He's so random. All right. Thank same. you guys as always, man, for all of our listeners and everybody out there watching. And wherever you pick up your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio Podcast, continue to take a listen. Give us a five-star rating. Shout out to those that are hitting that button. Follow. Give us a review. Continue to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. We're going to continue to spread the word. Continue to share more stories like Brendan and I. I am Adagio. And continue to shine the light on the transition of all of our second acts as we all continue to grow and be better by sharing each other's stories. So, Peanut, tell them what we're doing, man. We done. That's it. I'm Peanut. It's the NFL Player Second Acts Podcast, and we out. <laughs> That was what he talking about. Tell him what we doing. I'm sorry. No, that's exactly what I want. Signing out, baby. That's what we doing. That's exactly what I want you to do. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.